0: You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Uh, really excited to be joined today by none other than Mr. Mike Adams. He is. Uh, we're working together on a project to help spread the word about this whole exit and build thing. And he was stopping by the office here, so I thought we'd do a little interview. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, John. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Apologize. I didn't. I didn't know we we're gonna do this, so I just came from the ranch, uh, working with my goats uh, and chickens <laughs> this morning. And uh, so here I am. Here
0: he is. Yeah. So sprung it's great it on to be him. here. Thanks yeah. for, for having me. Yeah, so excited to be chatting with you. Now, you are somebody that's been in this game for, for quite some time. Yeah. What, 20, 30 years? 20-plus years. Long yeah. time, yeah. and uh, I'd love to ask how you got started. Like, what was it that caused you to wake up way ahead of schedule? Wow, well,
1: for me, um, remember years ago, I used to be borderline diabetic and, you know, chronic pain and all kinds of health issues, and I got off of sugar, and I, that's you got to understand, back in the 1990s, doctors would tell you that all calories were the same. It didn't matter what you ate. Mm-hmm. It could be sugar, it could be vegetables, it could be anything. It was all the same to them. And But I realized at that point when I got off sugar that, oh my gosh, my health began to improve and, and hypoglycemia went away. And everything went away over time and started getting into health and then started educating people about health and nutrition. Okay. And that became superfoods, that became a a food science lab and then into farming and agriculture, growing food, you know, sprouting and hydroponic systems and the whole deal to where we are today, realizing that that food is under attack by the authoritarians. And so uh, unless you just want to be a total slave to the system, you've got to learn how to grow food, you've got to learn how to take care of your own uh, health conditions, even some emergency medicine, things Mm -hmm. like that, and learn, in, in my case, learn how to work with animals uh, which I think is an important part of, of a ranch operation.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. So it sounds like it was health that got you kind of thinking outside the box. Yeah. But how did you discover this whole conspiracy that's at play for this totalitarian <laughs> government?
1: Well, it didn't take long to realize that the drug companies and the food companies actually, I think, kind of maybe they don't conspire directly together, but they're, they're two sides of the same scam. Mm-hmm. Which, the food companies keep you sick. And then the drug companies profit off of your sickness, right? So if you go into a pharmacy store, the front of the store is all the things that will give you disease. Uh-huh. And then in the back <laughs> is the pharmacy that will treat the disease that you got from yeah. buying the stuff in the front of the store. Sure. It's a total scam. And so I was trying to teach people, hey, you don't need to live a life on medications. Uh, there are ways to reverse type 2 diabetes. There's a way to prevent cancer, even in some cases reverse it or, or heart disease or what have you and that became my message and pretty soon i was bumping heads with the establishment that does not want people to know that you don't need them to be healthy and and now today you know everything's brought to you by pfizer Mm -hmm. so the the media is a hundred percent opposed to anybody that teaches people uh health self-reliance which is really what i've been into all these years
0: how long after you quote unquote woke up did you start naturalnews.com
1: well, actually I started it it was called News Target in two thousand three. Okay. So we're we're twenty years into this now. Uh, changed the name to, to natural news a few years later, but we kept both sites running still to this day. But then in before the the Trump election, uh, guys like me and Alex Jones and others, we were getting hit with aggressive deplatforming and censorship before anybody really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Even Trump didn't know censorship was happening in, in the first couple of years of his administration. And I remember hearing from a lot of people in the food and nutrition space, and I was getting banned and deplatformed, just wiped off YouTube, you know, wiped off Facebook. 2.5 million followers on Facebook years ago. That's a lot. Yeah, before before they took us down. And but there were a lot of people in food and nutrition, and they were saying, oh, you know, Mike Adams, he's just banned because, you know, he talks about too much freedom or too much politics or whatever, mm-hmm. but we'll never be banned. Cause you know, we're just talking <laughs> about being healthy and, <laughs> and growing food and, and using herbs and superfoods. Well, guess what? They got banned too. It just yeah. took a little bit longer. And there's truth to that saying, like, if you don't stand up, eventually they're going to come for you. Mm-hmm. And so now in, in the aftermath of all that, and the aftermath of COVID, which is what guys like me were warning about all these years, that, that. There's actually, in my opinion, there's, there is a global depopulation agenda that's being run on humanity to literally cull the herd, as, as the globalists see it. And they use you know, medicine. They use ventilators. They, use, they deny you access to ivermectin. Mm-hmm. They downplay nutrition, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, all these things. And they build bioweapons, by <laughs> the way. They build bioweapons, and they release them on the world, and then they tell you to line up to get an injection. That's another kind of bioweapon, yeah. right? So these things are all coming true as we were warning. And now a lot more people are on the same page, realizing mm-hmm. that this is all happening.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think they overplayed their hand with COVID. Um, oh, most definitely. A lot of people woke up and being in the game for so long, you see, it you know, a lot of people used to be really lonely and afraid back in the day. And like, I'm isolated. I'm the only one that thinks this way. And like they, <laughs> their relationship with their family gets tarnished. Oh, but yeah, nowadays yeah. it's like, you can't really go very far without finding somebody that gets it which i'm i'm really grateful for
1: yeah that's that's really true and think about like what you talk about exit and build and how many people are now leaving the cities on purpose Mm -hmm. not for political reasons but just because they want to live a more self-reliant lifestyle which is really congruent with everything that we talk about Mm -hmm. if you're growing your own food you're automatically going to be healthier as long as you're eating what you grow yeah right and you're closer in touch with nature, you understand the cycle of life with seeds and plants and and perhaps animals as Mm -hmm. well. And you're probably in a cleaner environment with less pollution, less electromagnetic pollution, less noise pollution, Mm -hmm. less particulate pollution in the air and so on. And like, I drink nothing but rainwater. By the way, you know I collect rainwater and drink, just drink rainwater and my smoothies of course. And because of, of this lifestyle, you know, People can be far healthier and they can be far more free than I think a lot of them ever imagined. Yep. And COVID also changed the whole dynamic about, oh, do you really need to show up in a cubicle in an office all day? And the answer is no, mm-hmm. not really. You can contribute value to society from your own place. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think a lot of people after COVID and losing their jobs or whatever, they fell into this victimhood space. But other people, on the other hand, they got really empowered and they're like, you know what, you guys can try to change the world. You're not going to change my world. I'm going to change my world for the better. So back when you first started getting censored, I imagine that was difficult, probably took a hit on your pocketbook. But like, what were you thinking then and what caused you to push through and say, you know what, you guys can censor me, but I'm still going to get this message out?
1: Oh, well, yeah that's ultimately what we decided, we, to build our own platforms, which is what we did with Brighton and others, Brighton Social, what have you. But at first, actually, the first thought I had was, why aren't more people standing up mm. for myself and the others who were censored first? And then over the next five years, we, we kept seeing other people completely deplatformed, yeah. wipe off, you know, and then there, there was alarm over certain individuals getting censored. But it was... I was really astonished that there wasn't more cohesion across the health freedom movement at mm. first. In fact, there there were a lot of people who when we started getting deplatformed, we were ostracized by a lot of people out there who didn't want to risk them getting censored by linking to us. Mm. So this is one of the ways that censorship is so vicious is they they convinced other people in the community to conform to the rules of censorship mm-hmm. by ostracizing the members who have currently been censored. Mm. And so you end up with, uh, you know, it's like a it's like a self-reinforcing prison guard situation where the members of the community become the prison guards and they tell you, shh, shh don't say that. You can't talk about that. Or I would go on someone's show and say something. And, oh, you, oh, no, you can't say, you got to take that back. Yeah. You know, you can't, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, what, what world are you from? Because I'm from America, uh-huh. and we have a First Amendment, and I'm going to tell the truth. And I always stuck with that line, you know, that that, that line in the sand, I should say, uh, to stick with the truth and say it no matter what, no matter what the costs or deplatforming or, or whatever. And, it's and, and here we are. Yeah, it is. Because you don't have to keep track of what you're not supposed to say.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah, and I appreciate that. There's a lot of folks that are building their own platforms, and instead of just going away or wallowing or whining about it, they're choosing to to become empowered, and in many ways Mm -hmm. that decentralizes everything. We shouldn't rely on YouTube or Facebook as a social media platform. We need alternatives, and more importantly, we need to be meeting up in person and getting our hands dirty. Um,
1: absolutely yeah i mean i'm a i'm a big proponent of decentralization Mm -hmm. of technology yep and we're working with a lot of groups you know like cordal for example Uh just interviewed mike winter yesterday Mm -hmm. and jason crow and i'm doing a lot of research into other areas my goal is to make our own platforms obsolete by making sure there are no centralized controllers who can determine what you're allowed to say or what you're not allowed to say Mm -hmm. and (coughs) excuse me i don't want to live in a world where one guy named elon musk gets to decide who's allowed to speak and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And where he goes on there and, and pretends to be a free speech champion. And I'm still banned on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So are a lot of people I know. Yeah. And how, you know, how dare you call yourself a free speech champion. So the structure is wrong. The structure needs to be decentralization. And that gets into a lot of what you teach, which is you know, exit and build, build local communities, but decentralized from globalist control or federal control, mm-hmm. national control. It's about the local communities being more resilient and being honest with each other about what your local needs
0: are. Right on. Now, I remember early on, you, were, you thought Bitcoin was part of this whole New World Order thing. Do you still hold that truth? Because Bitcoin's not privacy, right? It's different than a lot of other coins. But what are your thoughts on that? And has, has your assessment shifted?
1: Well, yes, my assessment has shifted a lot. Um, I'm, my current position is I, I believe that Bitcoin will be ultimately the world reserve digital currency. And what really brought this home to me, now now, first of all, let's let's be clear, I, I was very harsh on Bitcoin for a number of years and other crypto projects because of a lot of the, you know, just the FOMO and everybody should buy everything, sure. jump in now, you know, buy low, yeah, sell Yeah, it's like high. a money thing. Yeah. yeah a freedom a, thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. It wasn't a freedom thing. Well, it was a thing. freedom
0: thing for the core folks, but a lot of people were hopping on the bandwagon to try to get rich.
1: Right, right. And that, that didn't resonate with me. You sure. know, I, I, I believe in technology to achieve human liberty and self-reliance and uh, sustainability. So what really happened over the last couple of years with COVID, In Canada, we saw Trudeau, you know, of course, attacking people's bank accounts, freezing your bank accounts (laughs) because you donated money to the Canadian truckers. That was nuts. Right. So that was a big wake-up call. And then now, also since then, I've experienced a lot of things uh, as a business owner, uh, attempting to pay vendors and having those payments get held up or having them vanish. We had $30,000 vanish because of the uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapse. Uh, It vanished for like two weeks, I think, and then they found it. You know, it came back.
0: Because it, it was in Silicon Valley? Bank it was the vendor associated? that we were
1: paying had uh, an account that went through that bank. And when that bank collapsed, then the money that we had paid them disappeared, even though, you know, they took it out of our account, but it never got to the vendor. Yeah. So there was 30 grand that vanished. And then we recently um, Texas billionaire Gary Haven donated half a million dollars to our nonprofit to hand out to other independent media outlets which we did so we've distributed half a million dollars in donations oh, wow. across independent media a lot of a lot of names that you would know and we had so much difficulty uh, uh, when we tried to uh, donate the money our bill payment service flagged it as fraud <coughs> held it up wouldn't let the money go out and then even after we worked through that a lot of the recipients got checks for Anywhere from ten to twenty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and their banks wouldn't let them cash those checks because they were highly suspicious, mm. right? Because you can't even give money away without mm. raising, you know, terrorist flags in the banking system, wow. which is insane. And so we have a new rule: we're only giving money away now in cryptocurrency, and it it, it really is that simple. It's like, hey, you, you know, you want a ten thousand dollar grant from our nonprofit? You send us your Bitcoin address or you your, or whatever you want to use. Monero if you want to use that. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to send it to, you, you know, we're going to, we're going to send you like 0.1 at first, or Bitcoin 0.0001. Sure. Make sure you get it. And you say yes, then we'll send the full amount. I'm done with the banking system. It's a mm-hmm. nightmare. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It, it's failing. It's breaking down. And so, oh, and, and the other thing is that no government in the world can print Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we're going to have an honest ledger system in the world, we have to have a ledger where no government can control the supply of the currency, yep. which is what they do in printing dollars all day long. Sure. And so I believe, uh, interrupt me if I'm talking too much, but no, you're fine. I believe that the day is coming soon when the typical American is going to say, man, my dollars are losing so much value that the actual safe haven is gonna be in crypto. Now, I'm not making a price prediction. It's going to be volatility. The SEC is declaring war. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, long term, the only safe currency is currency that governments do not control.
0: Right on. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why it is so attractive to so many people, even legacy investors and people that are traditionally inside the system. It appeals to them as well. Right. Um, So do you see that? Because coming from our world, obviously, this idea of a global currency is something that we oppose. But do you see any positive aspects of Bitcoin being a global reserve currency and kind of um, upsetting the central banks in that regard? Or do you think there's that could be a recipe for disaster too?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I, I have a lot of questions about Tether and whether Tether is actually 100% honest and whether they can create currency without having it fully backed by dollars. So if Tether and we don't know the answer yet but if tether is a, a money printing machine that can then be used to buy bitcoin yeah. then if tether ends up having a problem it's going to drag bitcoin down yeah. no question that that is a possibility mm-hmm. but once everything is is you know settled with that issue and i think we're looking at fiat currency collapses the, the euro the yen and the dollar all three i think are are you know not going to last too many more years, in in my opinion, at at least not at their current valuation or or close to it. I believe that cryptocurrency will be used by the world because, and especially outside the United States, think about Africa, think about Central and South America, think Mm -hmm. about the Middle East, where their banking systems, and in many cases, they're facing inflation far worse than what we deal with in the United States. So even right now today, jumping into crypto makes a lot more sense for them. However, Bitcoin, because of the relative cost of transactions and the relative slowness, let's say, unless you're willing to pay a premium, Bitcoin might be the place where people put their kind of savings account, mm-hmm. but their actual day-to-day transactions might be in some other crypto, something faster, something smaller, maybe Litecoin, or, or if they want privacy, you know, something like Monero. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to swap in and out of Bitcoin into other cryptos for different local purposes. That's how I see it.
0: Sure, sure. And I'm with you on that. And I think there was... I'd like to dig deeper into what took place during the scaling wars or the block size debates, right? Because I think there was likely a conspiracy at play to neuter Bitcoin's ability to be not only a digital gold store of value, but also digital cash. Because if it was both of those things, and it's more leaning towards this digital gold more so nowadays because you can't send a lot of transactions, it's expensive. I don't know, it's probably two to eight bucks sometimes now. It's constantly changing. Do you buy into that? Do you think that may my opinion is that Bitcoin was like this radical revolutionary thing that totally caught the predator class off guard, but they're so damn cunning, they're like, let's see how we can leverage this for our own gain.
1: Well, I think there's no question there there are some, you know, deep-pocketed globalist-oriented financial institutions that are heavily involved in in Bitcoin and even the Lightning Network, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So they they are players in this space for sure, and they Remember, they want to roll out a, you know, a CBDC, obviously. And so they, they probably have plans to try to hurt the crypto space as mm-hmm. much as they can, which is what Gary Gensler is all about. Mm-hmm. But I think the original vision of Satoshi is, is valid. And it, it, it will be found, I think, in, in the continuation, the continued evolving of these projects. It may be that Bitcoin undergoes perhaps even hard forks at some point. It may be that other coins come in and fill the space for certain types of transactions, like really uh, large block sizes, but rapid block times, for mm-hmm. example, for more throughput. And I, I, That's what I love about the crypto space. is all these different flavors of things that you can do with it. Mm-hmm. If you want privacy, you, know, you can go with Monero. But gosh, the blockchain is, is, is huge for the transactions, right? Mm-hmm. It's its own special thing, and it takes longer to sync that. If you want rapid transactions, you don't care about privacy. It's Litecoin, right? Things like that. But over the next 10 years, I think we're gonna—it's gonna settle where people will understand the roles, the 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 benefits and limitations of each one of these things. And uh, personally, I don't want to forget gold and silver. Sure, sure. Because you know, I I own gold and silver, mm-hmm. and and crypto, and I think those are the three things that will outlast the fall of fiat currencies. So mm-hmm. gold and silver and crypto is is. My current mantra, all right. you know, subject to change if conditions change. But sure. but gold and silver, you know, have outlasted they're the classic. rise and fall of of civilizations for you know millennia. Yep. So they're going to be here.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important because there's a lot of you know older patriot types that completely reject Bitcoin and crypto. And I always point out like you can do both. It doesn't have to oh, be yeah, gold yeah, and yeah, silver yeah. or Bitcoin crypto. Right. It's like they all have their own benefits and. I think definitely, like you said, gold and silver stood the test of time, but it's pretty damn hard to send it over the Internet, which is beneficial.
1: Well, exactly, and also I'm, I'm thinking a lot about the refugee scenario. So, you know, I've interviewed refugees fleeing Venezuela, and you can't take gold and silver with you when you're fleeing a tyrannical regime, yeah. which could be, you know, Los Angeles, for all we know, or New York City, or who knows, yeah. or, or America, depending on where it goes. You, you might be a refugee fleeing America one day, you know. But with, with crypto, uh, you, you, know, you can store your wallet, in effect, in your head just by memorizing the seed phrases for your wallet. Mm-hmm. So you can take assets with you without there being anything that could be confiscated from you. And that's why I think everybody's portfolio should include some amount of crypto, but you should also memorize your seed phrase. Or have it tattooed somewhere on your body that people aren't going to look, you know. <laughs> like, literally, you you need a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Because uh, bank bail-ins are coming, bank confiscations, you know, account confiscations, currency collapses are coming. Uh, I think things are going to get still ug- more ugly before we turn this around. Sure. But crypto will play, I think, a key role in the turnaround.
0: Right on. Uh, why did Quartal speak to you so much? You seem super passionate about it. It's a great project. What What is it about Quartal that... That is special for you. Oh, wow.
1: Well, what I love about Cordal is that they're not focused on this FOMO, buy low, sell high, you know, everybody get rich type of thing, which mm-hmm. w- again was a big turnoff uh, when I heard that on other projects. What Cordal is about is applying decentralized technology to have decentralized apps, decentralized websites, and also chats. And uh, we are going to build our websites, Natural News and Brighttown.com, in the Cordal app so that we can. Uh, distribute peer-to-peer videos and articles and other content through that system. Now, right now, I mean, so so I really align with Mike Winter and Jason Crow and what mm-hmm. what they stand for. Mm-hmm. It's about application of this. Uh, right now, however, the Cordal system is, of course, slower than let's say a direct, you know, website server-client arrangement. But that will actually improve as more people install nodes. You know, as more nodes run then more peers are sharing bandwidth and, and, and loading content will become faster. So I'm, I'm an advocate for Cordell, and I think that kind of approach of distributed apps
0: and distributed money is a winning combination. Right on. Um, What's your view on politics nowadays, right? Because uh, I know the, our, the whole exit and build strategy thing really resonated with you. Yep. Are you still thinking that folks should vote for freedom candidates or people like Trump as a means of creating freedom, or have you think that ship has sailed, it's all fraud? What are your thoughts there?
1: Well, I I, I do believe that no one person is ever going to save us, and, and to hold out hope for, for the right person to get into the Oval Office, it's a, it's a fool's game, right? Uh, that said, uh, based on the candidates currently available, I'm rooting on the Democrat side for RFK Jr. to to get the nomination.
0: You did an interview with him not too long ago. I've
1: interviewed him several times, and he's you know, he, he's the real deal. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's an amazing individual. Uh, of course, I'm rooting for Trump on the Republican side. And I think if those two get their nominations and we could see a debate between RFK <laughs> and Trump, it would be just truly historic. I mean, I would, I would have bins of popcorn for that one. It would be amazing. <laughs> and America would benefit if either one of those two, I think, became president, uh, benefit in some way. Um, Because the the truth is that both those candidates are anti-authoritarian and anti-tyranny. I mean, they've both been subjected to the regime's attempts to eliminate them both. And, And frankly, I don't think they can understand the depth of what's going on unless they were subjected to it themselves. You know, uh, RFK has been censored and deplatformed and smeared and libeled and just across yeah. the board. He's and one of
0: the disinformation dozen. Yeah,
1: right. And, and Trump, you know, being indicted under bogus charges by a weaponized DOJ that, of course, never brings any charges against the Bidens or the Clintons or anybody like that. For the same stuff. But ultimately, bottom line is we have to build our own local life infrastructure to insulate us from the insanity of these politics as much as possible. Because whether Trump gets in or not, or RFK gets in or not, the system is insane and corrupt. And the system will come for everything that you own. They will try to, if they can get away with it, they will take your farms, they will take your money, they will, I mean, look at South Africa, look at what's happening right now. They're having water restrictions based on you being white. If you're white, you don't get water for your farm. I mean, this is the kind of insanity that takes hold in these cultural Marxism movements mm-hmm. that are sweeping across the world and the United States and Canada right now, so we have to be ready for for governments to be completely uh, evil but also be open to the fact that they might possibly be a little bit less evil <laughs> if if depending on how elections go but there's, there's no scenario where I'm happy about the size of the federal government it's it's way too big, way too powerful, out of control, a reset of some sort is coming and when that reset happens, it's people like you and I and your listeners who build the next
0: society and
1: we get to choose how to structure it
0: Right on um, So how do you justify Trump and what do you what do you, what's your take on the whole operation warp speed thing and how he's still clinging to the idea that the the shot was God's gift to humanity and yeah. played a big role in that. What are your, what's your thoughts on that? Well,
1: I interviewed his spokesperson, Liz Harrington, uh, last week and I asked her that very point. And I've been very vocally c- uh, critical uh, about that issue just like you said. Liz Harrington told me basically um, just wait. Like, like something's coming from Trump to address this is, is what she was implying. Uh, if he doesn't address it I'm going to keep hammering him on that point. Because in my mind, you know, I think kind of the, the current explanation from the Trump camp is that, well, at the time, you know, they didn't know, nobody knew that the vaccine, what it was going to do, and, and people wanted the vaccine, that's what Trump says. People wanted it, so I gave it to them. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what if people want, you know, suicide drugs, are you going to,
0: right? So, they sure had to market it pretty damn hard if people didn't yeah, really they, they, it. Yeah,
1: they pushed it hard. But, <laughs> okay, Ro, okay, good boy. Yeah. But knowing what we know now, w- given the information we know now, obviously we know enough to know that they're harming and killing people. So to say that, well, people wanted it back then, to me, that's not a good enough answer. We need to say, okay, knowing what you know now, can't you say, okay, we, we went too fast, we trusted Fauci too much, the, trusted Big Pharma too much, or what have you? That's what Trump needs to say today, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Okay. Hey, thanks for letting me bring my dog. Oh yeah, yeah. In, let's see if we can get him there on camera. Yeah, is he? Is he on camera? Oh, cutie. Come here, bro. Come on up. <laughs> let's see if can come on up. Good boy. How Had you a doing? Good dog. How you doing? Interviewed yeah, a dog. Such a good boy.
0: <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit more about being out in the country. <laughs> the importance yeah. of. Uh, exiting the cities, why do you think it's important for folks that might be listening that are still trapped in the cities? A lot of people think like, oh, I can't figure it out. I don't have the money to move out to the country. I don't know how to grow food. What are some of the big reasons why you think it's critical for folks to to get the Uh, heck out of Dodge? I am
1: listening, I'm trying to make sure he doesn't like tip over your lights Um, (laughs) because he's got his leash on. Well, uh, first of all, cities are not a sustainable infrastructure, right? So too many artificial inputs are required for cities to function, you know, water, electricity, energy, food. The population density is too high to, I think, really handle a crisis situation. If any of those inputs are cut off, such as water, things go off the rails pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the culture in America, uh, unlike cultures in Asia. Remember, I lived in Taiwan, you know, and I have visited, you know, Malaysia and Hong Kong, wherever. Uh, in those countries, people tend to be a lot more kind of orderly mm-hmm. about when things go wrong, they pitch in and help each other out. Sure. Whereas if something goes wrong in L.A., you know, it's like the Koreans versus the gangs, like gunfire from the rooftops. Mm. Like, it, it's not the same scene. Sure. So cities are not a good place to be when anything goes wrong. Whereas in the country, obviously, you have more sustainability. You have wild food choices. You have rainwater collection, uh, like I advocate for. And frankly, also the, the culture of self-reliance. Mm-hmm. It's good to have, well, it's critical to have neighbors who know how to do things who know how to handle animals, who know how to do, you know, uh, first aid, medicine, mm-hmm. uh, self-defense, firearms, long-range shooting, you know, what have you, yep. farming, food, all of it, and fixing things. Sure. I mean, that's a huge part of it. You know, I own tractors, and I've done a lot a lot of repairs myself, but sometimes I can't do it. Like, have you ever tried to change a big tractor tire on a large John Deere tractor? No,
0: changed a bus tire, but not a... John Deere track. And well,
1: that's pretty close, but yeah, big John Deere tire. You got to have a specialist come out who knows how to do that. Big dudes, by the way, these, yeah. these are, they're not on a fasting regimen. Yeah. They, they have to have, throw body weight into these giant levers to get these tires off. And you have to live in a community where people have these skills. And so that's the country. And I, I think rural living is incredibly rewarding, more freedom, you know, I have a little gun range on my own property. I don't have to go to a range, you know, to, to yeah. practice. We have one shooting.
0: down in a creek bed because it goes so low. There's like a natural berm. Perfect. That's a lot. Of yeah, money.
1: exactly. And the the kind of people that are attracted to rural living tend to be more self-reliant people, mm-hmm. and that's that's who I want around me as these challenges, whatever they happen to be, mm-hmm. uh, emerge across society.
0: It's a good place to be in the country. Yeah, cool, cool. And what are your thoughts on? Um, one of the best states in the U.S., or what are some of the states to avoid? I mean, it's obvious which ones to avoid. Well, are yeah, let's talk
1: about best states to go. I mean, Idaho is great. Uh, Wyoming is, is is a good choice. Uh, you know, Utah. The most of the Midwest is good. You know, let's say Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri has a great ag. Of course, I'm a fan of Texas. I, I love Texas, and I think Central Texas is a great place. Um, and and also uh, Tennessee. a lot of a lot of areas. North Carolina, for example. Florida's great in many ways. Um, the Dakotas, right? The wonderful thing about America is a lot of places to go. Mm-hmm. And if you do your research, you can stay away from population, uh, high population density areas, which, by the way, Central Texas is not really that far from high population density, but it's, it's far enough, mm-hmm. I think. And it still gives you access to those cities and those city services. But you know, people need to, to get on the ball, I think, and kind of get squared away as to where you want to be. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes I tend to scare people with my predictions and my Mm -hmm. guests about what's going to happen, but it is absolutely true that things are escalating into a scenario that could be World War III, kind of like the Cuban Missile Crisis, but again, and you know, in the Cuban Missile Crisis, we were one decision away from global nuclear war. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was that close.
0: Much better leadership back then too.
1: Yeah. uh, Like people who had the sense to say, no, let's not launch everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we have that leadership today. So things could happen very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, power grid failures, and there's in the media they're trying to pre-blame that on people who are conservative. So they're saying, oh, when the power grid goes down, it's these right-wing
0: extremists. I saw that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you saying that? I mean,
1: where's that coming from? Well, yeah. you know, because well, they plan to have power outages and then blame conservatives, right? And you know, all these false narratives out there. You've got to be ready for for power outages. You know, you have to have backup power plant, and, and also a way to live without electricity, without dying. Which is not so easy in the summer in Texas, by the mm-hmm. way. I mean, what if you lose your water pumps? What if you lose air conditioning okay. and refrigeration? How do you live? Well, you know, people did it through most of human history. Yeah. <laughs> and only now
0: we've forgotten those skills. Yeah. We've got to get them soft. back. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right, uh, one last question. Yep. What do you think, as far as... Are you optimistic about the prospects for freedom and in spite of all this, it's kind of like this paradox where we have all these people that are like positive and feel like things are gonna be okay, but we have perhaps the most totalitarianism as far as like a technocratic totalitarianism now, because things have gotten a lot better than like the medieval days, right? We're on a trend getting better, but there's these really evil people that have uh, infected every major institution in the world. You know, the Great Reset's well underway. What, uh, what are your predictions as far as are we going to experience freedom? Is it going to take generations? What's it going to take?
1: Mm, I, I think we will experience freedom in our lifetime, both of our lifetimes. And I think that uh, the tyranny will become so bad and so desperate. That, and and I, I do believe, by the way, the globalists will kill between one and two billion humans currently living on this planet. Uh, I, know, I know it's a dark prediction. With bioweapons or what? Uh, well, A combination of economic collapse, yeah, war, starvation, this is a key part of it, famine, famine global famine, uh, and bioweapons, right? So uh, that process is already underway. I, I think, well, I'm not going to get into details of where we are, but that's coming. However, they won't kill most of us. And out of that, there will be not only such a, a cultural backlash against tyranny, but also technology. And this is, you know, I mentioned this to you before the show, that we need to embrace technology and even the cypherpunk philosophy of privacy as a human right, uh, human dignity. Uh, Privacy and the fact that we don't need uh, government structured as they have been through our lifetimes and for hundreds of years before that. That entire structure of centralized control over society is obsolete. And in fact, it is technology that can set us free if we're able to uh, recognize and build and embrace the decentralized systems that are the infrastructure for human freedom. But it's very, it's a—it's too easy for people to get kind of sucked into the convenience of going with the CBDCs, getting the UBI, you know, universal basic income, uh, uh, having the QR code on their phone so they can enter the grocery store and shop for food and just being obedient to that system it's Mm -hmm. the obedience that will get you killed Mm -hmm. it is resistance against tyranny that will set you free but never before in human society have we had the technology available to us now not just cryptography but also you know blockchain technology decentralized applications decentralized finance all these things Uh, private communications you know uh, cryptography in in direct chats and things like that Mm -hmm. understand governments You you know why the SEC is going crazy trying to regulate the central exchanges like Binance and Coinbase? is because they can't directly ban Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. If they could, they would have. But suppose they tried, John. Suppose they announced Bitcoin is illegal. Yeah. All right. Would would everybody stop using Bitcoin? No. I mean, the ATF announced that the arm braces are illegal. I own plenty of arm braces, right? I bought them when they were perfectly legal. Mm -hmm. Did I destroy them and melt them down? (laughs) No. (laughs) Now, I, did I remove them from the AR-15? Yes, I did, so the ATF doesn't have to raid me. OK, I took them off, but I didn't melt them down. Um, if they say Bitcoin is illegal, am I going to like empty my wallets and burn my Bitcoin wallets? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just won't open the wallet right now. <laughs> Maybe I'll open it in secret. Mm-hmm. Who knows, yeah. right? It's none of anybody's business. Or if they say that gold is illegal to hold. Happened before. Right. They say they want to confiscate gold. You know, Am I going to rifle through every last gold coin that I might have put somewhere and try to find it and turn it over? Of course not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody else what to do. You know, I mean, I am a law-abiding citizen. But I, I acquired gold. I acquired arm braces. I acquired Bitcoin when it was all perfectly legal. And if they change the rules, they're breaking the law, not me.
0: Mm. Right on. Yeah, it just takes people having a spine and some conviction, maybe putting a little skin in the game every once in a while. Yeah. Because like you said, if you just comply, people complied all the way to Auschwitz, basically. Well, exactly. And thankfully, we still have guns in this country. Uh,
1: uh, Indeed. Indeed. And, And being that we're in Texas, there are probably like a million guns within... Yeah, a mile radius where every, we're sitting right every now. Every blade of grass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <probably>. yeah, everybody <laughs> always talks about the land thing. And they're
0: like, oh, the United Nations is going to confiscate the land. I'm like, that ain't happening here in Texas. <laughs> no, I always no. think of my neighbor. No. He's like an old veteran guy. He's just ready for somebody to try to take his land. He doesn't have anything to lose. He's, he doesn't want that. Yeah. I'm not going to let that happen. Anyway, cool, cool. All right, so any projects that are on the horizon for you? I know that you guys are doing more with on U and everything.
1: Yep. Yeah, we have Bright U, which is just the letter U. So brightu.com and we're, we're airing documentaries. A new one starts usually every Saturday, free to watch. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of new projects actually. Um, we've got, we're working on some new technology for clothing. We're partnering with uh, an American made um, knife company that does knives and swords with uh, amazing alloys called MagnaCut, which is a corrosion resistant alloy because we've all bought a knife before and then it rusted. So this is corrosion-resistant. Uh, I mean, we're we're talking to a lot of people, American innovation, about a, a number of really interesting projects. And then on the content side, like I said, with Cordal, we're trying to build, I mean, my devs are, are trying to understand the, the client-side language. I think we're going to use React JavaScript for that, by the way. But uh, we're going to be working on building simple versions of Brighton so that there's Peer-to-peer video distribution through the Cordal system, and there may be other systems also.
0: Sure.
1: You know, I, I don't know if Cordal is going to be the final big player in this space, but I know I don't want something backed by Microsoft, mm-hmm. right? Or Amazon. Or Amazon, right? You know, get completely off AWS. AWS went down yesterday too, yeah. by the way. So we're going to support independent projects by freedom-loving people, and try to get them. Try to. Apply them, get them off the ground. That's our
0: goal. Well, appreciate
1: you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate yeah. you
0: coming on the show, and uh, you're doing a lot. So I'm always impressed by the level of activity. And after so long, you're really still out there throwing haymakers at the at the machine. So yeah, keep we're, it up.
1: It, it's hard for them to to shut us down. I mean, they censored me. They tried to censor me into oblivion. They can do the same to you or anybody else. But uh, we don't need their permission to gather like-minded people and share information. And isn't that a wonderful thing? That's right.
0: Yeah. It's a permissionless society if we choose it to be so. Let's go. Cool, cool, cool. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Live Free Now show. We've been joined by Mike Adams of Natural News, Brighteon, and all sorts of... Awesome stuff going on. Uh, you've been listening. Uh, we'll be bringing the news, views, tips and tools you can use for a free, prosperous and healthy life. Subscribe to the podcast at livefreenow.show. Until next time, peace and freedom.